You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. All right, we're recording. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the ninth International Freedom Cell Conference Call. This one got off to a bit of a rocky start. The original Zoom link, the host was not there to start the meeting. Uh, that's Derek. So he was going to be out and about in Morelia, Morelia, and um, he was going to make it back after viewing some properties. So let's send some prayers. I'm sure everything's okay. There's if, I don't know if you've traveled through Mexico, it can be kind of chaotic and delays and this and that and road problems, but I'm sure everything's all right. So we just went ahead and made a different link. This is the Freedom Cell Network, a group of over 20,000 people that are concerned about the direction the world is going, has been going, but more importantly, are motivated to do something about it. Um, we are very solutions oriented, extremely solutions oriented, in fact. And today we're going to be talking about the Decentralized Distributed and Disruptive Technology Summit, the D3 Tech Summit. You can check it out at d3techsummit.com. It's part of the Greater Reset Activation, which was an event that took place early, earlier this year in May. And we're doing it again. It was such a big success. There were over 150,000 visits to the website during the five-day conference with a sixth bonus day. And we decided we were going to do it again. So the Greater Reset 2, which will be five days as well, that's taking place May 24th through the 28th. And before that, we're going to be doing the D3 Tech Summit. This was in response to the World Economic Forum's Global Technology <laughs> Governance Summit. Let me make sure that's the name. These guys, these clowns at the World Economic Forum are very ambitious, as are we. Uh, they're a little bit ahead of the curve and more advanced than we are, and they're better funded, that's for sure. And they're doing a lot of crazy, scary stuff, and we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to talk about how we're going to be countering it. Yeah, it was the Global Technology Governance Summit. So how is everybody? Can you guys give me a thumbs up in the video if everyone's doing okay? Yeah? Can everyone hear me okay? Good to go? Sweet. All right. So what is the Freedom Cell Network? I want to make sure we start with that on every single call for folks that might be new or haven't yet joined an inner cadre or participated. The Freedom Cell Network was founded in 2014, and it just started off with me and a group of seven other people. We maybe didn't even have a full eight. It was probably about six or seven people total. And that group fell apart due to some internal conflict, which is why I'm super conscious about conflict and nonviolent communication. It's absolutely a critical component of any successful group or organization. The idea was rather than engaging in the political channels, rather than so much resistance and reactionary activity and thoughts, why don't we focus on proactive solutions? And instead of trying to reshape or reform the institutions, governance, corporations, social institutions, educational institutions, health institutions, money, finance institutions. 
why don't we just build our own? Let's compete with those institutions in order to render them uh, illegitimate or irrelevant, right? Paraphrasing a Buckminster Fuller, Buckminster Fuller quote, which is really good. And so that idea kind of spread a tiny bit. It was mainly just me with a great idea talking to people at a conference or two, some podcasts and radio interviews. Uh, but the great Derek Bros, he really resonated with the idea. Me and Derek go way back since 2010, I think. He really appreciated the idea and he took it and really spread it, turned it into a global movement, helped to build the original Freedom Cells website, which has since grown and had many evolutions and iterations. And we now have over 20,000 people participating globally, which is super duper cool. There are people all over the world, South Africa, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, the United States, South America, you name it. Maybe even there's some penguins participating down in Antarctica. Um, those Antarctic penguins, instead of black and white, the white on their chest, it's yellow. It's black and yellow, right? They're little hand caps. Um, but on that note, the Freedom Cell doesn't necessarily have a political philosophy. It's really an open source idea, and we're welcoming of all sorts of different people. Not so much fascists and communists, I would say, but uh, maybe they can join and get reformed, or maybe not. Uh, you know, I think maybe voluntarism would be nice, a nice catch-all or anarchism, just the absence of the state, the absence of aggression and coercion. Not necessarily the absence of aggression, but the absence of institutional coercion, right? Voluntarism is the idea that all human relationships should be voluntary. And if they're voluntary, they're mutually beneficial. Every party involved benefits. And if the relationship is no longer beneficial, if it goes south, then you have the right to opt out and not participate. And unfortunately, with the status quo, with government especially, you they want you not to opt out. You're just forced, like it's an abusive relationship, to participate. And that is not good. One of our key strategies is to exit, exit the existing institutions and to build. But in reality, you know, there's a lot of folks that are just full on agorists. Some I can see on this call. There's even an agorist sailor on the call as well. I think Derek Bros would probably consider himself a full on agorist. But there's a lot of folks that perhaps uh, have a business or they own a house or property and they pay their income tax and they participate in the institutions. And that was one of the things that I was really meditating on when I came up with this idea. I know there's a lot of people that want to opt out, but they don't feel empowered enough to, they feel afraid, rightfully so, because truly opting out comes with repercussions. And so it's the strength in numbers that I would hope could empower us all to eventually completely decouple from existing institutions like the state. And, uh, you know, so the exit and build, perhaps a better approach would be to build so we can exit, right? To build a movement, to build infrastructure, to build uh, counter economies so we can trade amongst ourselves if we're required to have a vaccine passport, for example. That's a great thing that people are doing in the Freedom Cell Network, building these resilient food production networks, commerce, trade, hiring one another, entrepreneurship, all great things. So that's what the Freedom Cell is, Freedom Cell Network's all about. And I want to thank you guys for participating. Uh, it starts with an inner cadre group, approximately eight people. We use number eight because it's maximum creativity with eight people. 
This was researched by, by a gentleman, John David Garcia. And then you link up with other inner cadre groups. With your inner cadre groups, you work on goals, preparedness, food storage, defense, if you want to go there. And there, you can also work on education goals if you have children, pulling your kids out of government schools, spiritual goals, all sorts of cool stuff. And um, yeah, and then you link up with other inner cadre groups to form a larger group, maybe across a city or region. We call that a middle cadre. And then ultimately all the middle cadres link up to form a meta cadre. And this spreads all across the world in a decentralized, distributed and decentralized way, disruptive way, I guess. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So now I'm rambling and let's go ahead and get to what we were going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about the D3 Tech Summit, which is coming up on Saturday and Sunday, exactly a week away. And then we're going to leave some time to have some conversations. I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up around uh, 3.30 or 4 central time. We'll go another hour or so. Um, and uh, yeah. Okay. So whoa. the D <laughs> I got my kids here in case you didn't hear that. The decentralized distributed and disruptive tech summit is taking place on the 24th and the 25th. And I wanna introduce it to you and then I wanna open up some conversation because I'd really appreciate feedback about some of the concepts that we're gonna be dabbling in. So the Great Reset, which is this marketing plan by the World Economic Forum to completely radically and dramatically change civilization, government, business as we know it, they have an element to that project called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. There's even like the center for the fourth industrial revolution. And essentially what this is, I have the book here, I've been studying up, Know Your Enemy. This was by Klaus Schwab. Shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution, Klaus Schwab. And then here's his other one, COVID-19, the great reset. Lots of good gems in here. These guys are pretty sick. Although the way that they write, it doesn't seem like some diabolical plan, but if you could read between the lines, you see what's really at play here. So with the fourth industrial Evolution, revolution aims to do is merge biology and technology, not just human beings and technology, but all biology. In fact, Microsoft has a planetary supercomputer that they're building. You can search Microsoft planetary computer where they essentially want to catalog and analyze and track and trace every single bit of biodiversity on the earth, which is pretty wild. And it's not just to benefit the environment, which is one of the ends that they claim they have. In reality, a lot of it has to do with surveillance and control, uh, which is which is pretty frightening when you really unpack it all. So the fourth industrial revolution has many different elements and in industries, among them robotics, artificial intelligence, uh, drones, wearable biotechnology, implantable nanobots, all this stuff. And the peculiar thing is that a lot of this technology was organically evolving and coming about for quite some time. There's this acceleration and exponential growth that tends to happen within society and within technology, especially. But what these these folks are doing, they want to shape the fourth industrial revolution. Right. And they want to shape it in a way so that they can track, surveil and control. There's a great example of really how embedded and how far along a lot of these efforts are. At the Great Reset, we heard from Julianne Romanello. She was a former professor at Tulsa University, and she shared with us that she all of a sudden 
started hearing all these buzzwords like sustainability and impact and investing for the future. And she found that to be kind of odd. And so she started digging a little deeper and found that there's this big tax exempt foundation that had completely taken over Tulsa University. There's a couple other, I think it's the Kaiser Family Foundation or another one, I forget the name of it. There's a couple other ones that are very influential in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And she discovered what they're doing. They have all of these big picture, long-term plans to accelerate the growth and expansion of industries that tie in with the fourth industrial revolution. And in order to do that, they do something called impact investing, where tax exempt foundations, hedge funds, they invest in certain areas like education, for example, with the goal of having a desirable outcome down the road. One of these strategies is called the P20 pipeline, preschool to PhD. So they go in, they invest in early childhood education, in public education, they invest in the universities, they invest in trade schools, they invest in big programs and, and conferences that they put on. And the goal is eventually to nourish and massage and develop youth that can fill the industrial, the fourth industrial revolution industries like robotics, AI and drone technology, which is starting to be a big thing in the Tulsa area. And to take it a step further, they have these this thing called pay for success and the impact investing. So there's actually big hedge funds that are placing bets, whether it's long, they think that this is gonna be successful or short, they think that this isn't going to pan out. They're betting on these outcomes and it's really a frightening thing. There's a whole lot of money involved. And so that's exactly what these oligarchs and these technocrats, technocracy is ruled by scientific dictatorship essentially, rather than ruled by government or ruled by men or politicians right? We want self-governance is what, what we prefer, but they're kind of shaping it and accelerating it. So what we aim to do with the decentralized and distributed, decentralized, distributed and disruptive tech summit is to introduce a counter to the fourth industrial revolution that we are calling the first decentralized evolution. And so just like the fourth industrial revolution was coming about organically and now these clowns are hoping to accelerate it and to shape it and to mold it so it fits their sinister ends of totalitarianism and control and hierarchy and global governance. We too want to accelerate the first decentralized evolution. All right, so the fourth industrial revolution includes robotics and drones and artificial intelligence and blockchain digital identities and wearable biomedical devices, right? The first decentralized evolution counters that with decentralized blockchain technology. I should say, paradoxically, blockchain technology is an element of the fourth industrial revolution and is a wonderful tool for tracking, tracing, surveillance, data analysis, information gathering, information sharing, right? Blockchain digital identity is a perfect example. But we want to push decentralized blockchain technology. I want to talk about blockchain and open up the floor here in a moment as well, because it's a, there's a lot of controversy about it. Um, even Allison McDowell, who does amazing research when it comes to the fourth industrial revolution and the great reset and all that it entails, especially pay for success financing and human capital bonds. Um, she was like attacking the Freedom Cell Network and me and Derek, because we're into blockchain and decentralized technology, but she blocked, before she attacked us, she blocked us both. So we couldn't respond, which is intellectually dishonest. 
But there's a lot of controversy, and I think there's a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to blockchain technology. So for the folks out there that are on the fence or entirely skeptical or they reject blockchain, I think it would be very valuable for you to participate in this this D3 tech conference because we're really going to break a lot of that stuff down. So blockchain technology, decentralized blockchain technology is one part of the decentralized evolution. Privacy and encryption, right? So it's a counter. It's a yin and yang. They want surveillance. They want centralization and they want control. So we want to further privacy, decentralization and freedom. It's a very beautiful thing. And so we got the decentralized blockchain technology. We have encryption technology. We have 3D printing, which is a big part of it, bringing decentralizing industries and giving people the power to produce goods in their own right, right? They want to reshape capitalism and reshape industry and business so that it's more centralized, more controlled, and it's driven to benefit their values, which they, which would be the sustainable development goals, Agenda 2030 sustainable development goals, which some of them sound lofty, but again, there's a huge element of, of control. We want to further counter economics and decentralized technologies for linking people up and creating industry and business in a decentralized way to fulfill the wants and needs and provide goods and services to like-minded individuals without having to go to a third-party intermediary or some big industry or big tech, for example. We want to decentralize social media platforms, right? And there's a lot of partners that are involved. We, uh, we've worked with Jeremy Kaufman before. He's on the library blockchain, a decentralized social media video sharing platform that's you can't censor it from the blockchain. Uh, the guys from Float are there, do a lot of crypto. It's not decentralized yet, but I think they have plans to. So what we want to do at this event is really put these ideas out there, but also more so than an event where it's the presenters speaking to you. We want there to be collaboration and input from the audience. And we also want to bring together this awesome group of impactful, dynamic people that are doing big things and have them talk amongst themselves so we could try to overcome some of the obstacles. So let me just share with you a little bit about what it is that we're going to be talking about and presenting here at the event and then we can open up the floor for discussion and i'd like to ask you guys your feelings on blockchain and also what are some of the obstacles and barriers that you might foresee to accelerating this decentralized evolution so one of the cool things that we're going to do on saturday the 24th we're going to have a round table the title is Overcoming the Barriers to the Private Acquisition and Transfer of Cryptocurrency. So I do one-on-one -on -one cryptocurrency consultations. I've been involved in blockchain since 2013. And the, the problem is that it's actually kind of difficult to acquire Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies completely privately without having to do a know your customer check where you scan your ID and your driver's license. They cross-reference you with a terror database. And it's kind of frustrating because most of my clients are like like-minded and they're like, so how can I buy it privately? And I go, oh man, that's kind of a challenge. There are ways to do it. And that's definitely something that we'll be talking about in that round table. But I want to bring together some folks that can discuss what these barriers are and hopefully collectively come up with some ideas on how we can overcome them. One of the people that we're speaking to, he's an anonymous guy, but he goes by John Ball, And he actually created this wallet called Electron Cash. And he created this coin mixing service for Bitcoin Cash. And so there's these coin mixers. The technology is called CoinJoin. I'm not exactly sure if that's the same tech for him. But essentially, if you send a Bitcoin from one party to another party, that transaction is 
visible on the blockchain. It's a transparent blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain and the Bitcoin cash blockchain is as well. And so what happens with these mixers is you take that one transaction, you join it with a bunch of other transactions, you jumble them all up. So there's no way to track who sent what and who received it. Very beautiful thing, makes it easy to anonymize the cryptocurrency transaction. So he's the guy that developed that technology. He's going to be participating. We're also going to have Paul Pui, who created the Edge Wallet, which is a very popular Edge Wallet. One of his big focuses is privacy and security. So we're going to be talking to him as well. We're going to hear from Matthew Raymer. He he works with Derek Bros. actually. He's the guy where you record in one place and then they pop it out on BitChute and on Library and on all these other places. Wonderful service. He's an expert when it comes to privacy as well. So super excited about that uh, opportunity to come up with those things and explore those things. We're going to hear from Anthony, Anthony Mueller. He's with the Mises Institute, and he's been doing a lot of really good articles on the fourth industrial revolution, on the Great Reset. So much like we did with the Greater Reset, where we started off kind of presenting the problem, he is going to present the fourth industrial revolution and some of the pitfalls, and then we're going to break it all apart and talk about how we can overcome it. We're going to hear from Sterling Lujan, who's a big voluntarist blockchain, very powerful speaker. I just saw him talk at Floatfest as well. Uh, Ramiro, who's done a lot of the tech work for the Freedom Cells website and who's co-producing the Greater Reset stuff with us. He's going to present on privacy and, and a lot of how-to kind of stuff. And then we got this really solid person named Rachel Rose O'Leary. She's all about the dark renaissance. She's worked with this guy named uh, this guy named Amir Taki in the past. They were working together with Cody Wilson to build the dark wallet, which was like the coin coin join technology built into a wallet. Finally, we're going to close the day off with Jack Spierko. Jack Spierko is a total badass with the Survival Podcast, and he's most known for survival preparedness homesteading. But he's also into cryptocurrency and agorism. He's a dynamic speaker and He's a pretty solid agorist and activist, so we we're really excited to hear from him. And then the next day, we're really going to break down and get into this first decentralized evolution and folks that are building this stuff and accelerating it and what we can do. We're going to hear from Sal the agorist, Sal Mayweather. He's going to talk about 3D printing. Mike Swatek's going to come on. He was participating in the last one on the tech day. He's going to talk to us about the, uh, the D-Web, decentralized web, right? Again, like there's all this centralization, there's all this control and surveillance taking place, but at the same time, there's this renaissance and expansion and growth of these decentralized technologies. And one of them is an entirely decentralized web, like the World Wide Web, but decentralized. So it can't be taken down, it can't be shut down. Very beautiful things. Then we're going to have a panel called Leveraging Decentralized and Innovative Technologies to Build Cohesive Community. We're going to hear from David Casey. He's launching this resource network, which aims to be a lending platform for like-minded businesses. Matt McKibben, who presented the last one, he's a privacy expert. He is linked up with all sorts of different innovative and cutting-edge cryptocurrency and blockchain technology products. We're going to hear from Bill Ottman of Minds.com. Uh, one of my friends, Jordan Larson, who's creating this augmented reality platform that allows you to share information and learn about the area you're in and it's like a virtual reality thing, but it's augmented reality. So it's meant, it's like the, the fourth industrial revolution and the great reset wants people to be behind their computers in a virtual only capacity. In fact, they want to create like a second life, like a digital clone of yourself and your life. And you exist in that kind of like some creepy stuff out of science fiction. But the cool thing about this platform, my buddy Jordan's putting together is that it's the best of both worlds. So it, it does have the virtual connectivity that allows people 
all across the globe to come together and share ideas. But the point of it is to emphasize and improve and make more useful the interactions in person in the real world. Like I saw a little test, you can like, you can gather up all this information about gardening, for example, and what fruits to plant and vegetables to plant in your area. And then you meet someone in the virtual world and you drop all of that knowledge on them in a data packet. And then they instantly have access to all of that information about what's great to grow in central Texas, for example. So I think that's pretty cool. We're also gonna hear from Derek Rose, of course, everybody knows him. Uh, he's gonna be presenting a lot of solutions. Um, I'm not exactly sure his topic yet, but I'm sure it's gonna be good. And then Max Borders, who's kind of a futurist, he's gonna talk about this new evolution of decentralization and how it's gonna reshape society. And finally, we're gonna close down with Brittany Kaiser, who's a really big deal. Maybe folks have seen her on the Netflix documentary about hacking one of the elections more recently in 2016. She actually worked for Cambridge Analytica the big data processing and analytics company and intelligence company. And she's the one that leaked their info that they had all sorts of cozy relationships with really bad people and that they were manipulating elections. So we're really excited to have her. She also does own your privacy, which is a really big thing. So that's the event essentially. And again, the idea is to counter this fourth industrial revolution with a first decentralized evolution. So super excited about all of that. Uh, if you're just joining us from the waiting room, thank you so much for participating. They're, at, they're being joined slow. Thank you everyone for participating. This is the ninth International Freedom Cells conference call. Uh, we had to set up a new Zoom meeting because the other one wasn't started. And I want to thank you for participating. Apologies for the confusion, but here we are. We're keeping on, keep on, keeping on, kicking some butt over here. Okay, so let me drink some water. Whew, look at my beautiful girlfriend. Come here. We're going to a festival today, right here. <laughs> so sparkles. I'm too short. Just want to show her off real quick. Um, Oh, look, my daughter. Come here. Come here. Another beautiful lady. We're going to Solar Punk Festival today, which is cool. I gave a talk about freedom cells, and we did a panel on decentralization yesterday. Okay, so uh, enough for me. I am just running my mouth, and I want to hear from you guys. So I'm going to open up the floor. Um and the, I guess the prompt would be if you have any news or questions about how to better integrate or leverage the Freedom Cell Network to find more freedom in your lives, we welcome those questions. And then the prompt, which I really would like to focus on is, what are your feelings and thoughts about blockchain technology? Do you think it is a Trojan horse designed by the NSA or Bill Gates? I just saw someone saying like mining has to do with Bill Gates or something. Um, or do you think it's a tool like a firearm that can be used for good to protect your family, to defend, to get food or whatever, or, but it can also be used to coerce people into doing things they don't want to do. It can be used as a weapon of war. Um, so thoughts on blockchain technology. And then the question also is, what can we do to overcome the obstacles that are preventing 
just a whole blossoming of this first decentralized evolution. And on the flip side, what can we do to accelerate the first decentralized evolution? I'll tell you one thing you could do to accelerate the decentralized evolution. If you are curious about blockchain technology, if you have wanted to get involved, but it just seems so overwhelming to participate, um, a great start would be to take part in this workshop that I'm gonna be hosting on May 15th. Uh, I'm gonna put the URL here in the chat. It's cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com. It is a paid workshop. We're gonna be delivering two days worth of content, eight hours worth of content, myself, Matt McKibben and Ramiro. It's gonna focus on the basics of cryptocurrency, how to set up a wallet safely and securely, how blockchain works, why it's valuable. Um, I'm gonna talk about a lot of tips and strategies that I've learned, learned over the past eight years. So if you wanna get involved, you can avoid some of the mistakes that I've made. You can protect your investment. You can grow your investments. And then Matt McKibben's gonna talk about decentralized finance, how you can take cryptocurrency and multiply it passively, just like you do with a bank, but you get a tiny, tiny, teeny, teeny, teeny little bit of interest. You can get upwards of four, six, eight points by providing your cryptocurrency. It's called staking, or you can provide it as liquidity for a decentralized exchange. He's going to talk about this new innovation. It's actually not new. I mean, it's new compared to history, but uh it's just being really talked about and puncturing into the mainstream. It's It's been part of cryptocurrency since Ethereum, I guess, several years ago. But he's going to talk about decentralized finance. And then finally, Ramiro is going to present about internet privacy, how you can surf the internet privately, how you can lower your internet privacy footprint, how you can communicate encrypted messages, encrypted emails. Again, that's cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com, and that's going to be taking place May 15th. Okay, cool. So here's how this works. Raise your hand digitally, not visually, digitally. And you can do that by clicking on these three little dots and then going to raise hand. And then I'll call on you. I'll ask you to unmute yourself. So then you'll have to unmute yourself and then share your thoughts, uh, please. We're going to go for like another 30 or 45 minutes. And uh, yeah, again, the prompts, try to stay on topic. Freedom Cell Network, any questions, any advice, any obstacles you're finding and then let's talk about the first decentralized evolution as well don't forget the events coming up this saturday and sunday all right uh Brittine, i think that's how you say it Britain, Brittine, how are you hi uh Brittany, actually can you hear me Brittany, that's a pretty name yes we can hear you so i just um i'm i've been very excited about blockchain for a long time and about um cryptocurrency in particular my one concern, and it's something that others like uh, Catherine Austin Fitz have raised, um, is when we're still when we're dealing with a system where the hardware is still centrally controlled. Um, how do you how do you deal with that? What what strategies do people have in mind for? It seems like at that at, there's a certain point where you know as long as there's a point where there's some central ownership or central control, how do you how do you use that to um, to be truly decentralized. What hardware would you say is centrally controlled? Um, the phone lines. I mean, basically the, the, the physical lines across which the internet travels. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the internet, there was all this talk about like an internet kill switch and this, that, and the other. And I think that's a really difficult endeavor, you know, like even in, places like China and you remember the color revolutions that were popping up 
a couple springs, several springs ago in like Myanmar and Egypt and stuff, they would like try to shut down Twitter and shut down the internet, but there was always a way around it. And there was always these mesh networks and everyone like the market provides a way and creative people always provide a way. So that's one thing that I would respond with. And then another thing, again, none of this is like foolproof or like, this is our panacea and it's going to save us from everything, right? It's not blockchain. People, um, people like to accuse Derek and I of saying like, okay, blockchain's, I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but it's like blockchain's going to save us all. And it's like, no, it's just one of the tools in our tool belt. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, like an internet kill switch and EMPs and stuff like that, a lot of people fail to recognize that within human action, there are natural incentives and natural disincentives. And for many of these big players like AT&T, for example, like it doesn't, it wouldn't help them. It would hurt them to shut down the internet or to shut down this, that, or the other, right? And then another thing to think about is like it or not, I like it because the price of cryptocurrency is going up and it legitimizes cryptocurrency. There are legacy financial institutions, hedge funds, even some banks are tiptoeing around it. Large corporations like Tesla, for example, that are investing significantly in Bitcoin. So there's a phenomenon taking place where it's making Bitcoin and cryptocurrency uh, a safer bet because these are the multimillionaires and billionaires that have the ear of Congress critters in the government. And so to shut down Bitcoin, for example, would harm these people that are extremely powerful and influential. So I think there's all these checks and balances that are in place that for me make it unlikely that cryptocurrency gets shut down or outlawed, for example, uh, in the West and in many most liberalized, quote unquote, countries. But having said that, it's like we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket. And someone, you know, one of the great things that Bitcoin can do is protect your wealth from inflation, right? It's also great to send money privately, to store information that's censorless. But it's important that we don't only invest in Bitcoin if you've amassed some wealth or you got an inheritance, you want to protect that. Gold, I think land's always the best investment, to be honest. Uh, and cryptocurrency is a good means to an end to acquire land. But land's great because once you've got it, it always has utility. You know, unless, you know, you live in a forest, it gets burnt down or something, but that'll all regenerate eventually. Land is solid. So like land, ammo, gold, silver, food, seeds, cryptocurrency. Bam. And then even if the grid goes down because of some conspiracy or because of like what happened here in Texas in the winter storm, maybe that was a conspiracy. I don't know. Who knows? Um, the crypto, even if the grid goes down, you can't send crypto temporarily. You, your crypto is fine when the internet goes back up. So, but again, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And that is something to be cautious of and to plan around is what I would say. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. I, and I, I agree about not putting all your eggs in one basket or not thinking yeah. that there's one solution that's going to fix everything because it's a mix of different solutions. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing and uh, thanks for your question. So, um, yeah. And, you know, it's, a lot of people have objections too when it's like the Freedom Cell Network. Oh, well, it seems frightening to get involved. I'll be put on a list and the government's going to come out and get me. And, you know, there's always possibilities that could happen. But more often than not, the benefit that you could get outweighs the potential risks, which oftentimes are very small, right? 
So I just want to throw that out there. And then again, you know, a lot of cryptocurrency activities people do, it's not illegal or outlawed. You're not breaking the law. Same thing with the Freedom Cell Network, getting involved with a bunch of like-minded people. It's not illegal for what we're doing, right? Maybe someday when we all opt out and declare our independence and have like a secessionist movement without a physical space, but we're just like forming our own society, that might be illegal, but whatever, man, there's enough of us to where it doesn't matter anymore. All right, Don, how are you? What What's going on? Go ahead and unmute yourself. Good. Th- th- just first thing, thank you, John Green, with everything you say, 100%. Um, I'd just like to answer uh, Brittany's question about what happens if you turn off the internet. It is possible to build a second internet through phone lines, but it would just be like 1990s internet. So it is possible to rebuild the internet if someone turns it off. It's a physic we, we, we can physically do it. Um, just just thought I'd say that. And um, cool. one one of the issues that I have at the moment, like where I live we have like a 25% unemployment rate and some towns are like 50% uh, unemployment. Uh, This is because of, uh, I'm in Ireland, we have a lockdown. So the economy has just been destroyed. So um, what 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 my group of people are trying to do is that we're trying to create networks of anti-lockdown businesses and to try and find employment for people who are unemployed because it's quite hard to say, get into cryptocurrency uh, liquidity pools or trading for people who have no money at all. So I, I feel like, I don't even know how this is a question, but um, is, is, is there any networks for unemployed people to be employed by say pro freedom businesses? I, to me, I think that's uh a big need. Sure. I like that. Um, so a lot of it, <laughs> no, that's great. I have some, some advice on, on that front. Um, how big is your community, your city? Oh, Oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a city. Well, I, I'm in a city of like 1.2 million in a country of 5 million. So okay. 25% unemployment. Some towns are 50%, are 50%, over 50% unemployed. Okay. Because of the lockdowns. Sure. Understood. Um, okay. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is like, uh, when it comes to cryptocurrency and stuff, obviously there's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So there's not extra wealth. Yeah. And again, that's just one use of cryptocurrency to maintain or grow wealth. There's all sorts of uses, like I was talking about, social governance, sharing information, social media. But, you know, you got to make ends meet, and that's absolutely critical. And so if there's a will, there's a way, right? And the market always provides. So it's clear that in your area, because there's so much employment and because the Irish are, you know, bloody fierce freedom fighters for history, which is pretty freaking cool, there's a willingness to disobey or to defy. And there's probably a lot of people that are willing to do that. So the first step would be to make a decision to get a bunch of people together and like make a decision. We are going to build our own counter economy. And this would, this is just classic agorism, counter economics, anything that evades, defies, or avoids the state is what Samuel Conkin defines as the counter economic activity And so you just got to start getting those people together and networking, finding something like Telegram or an application that's very unlikely to shut you down for defying the state 
and just start popping services off, right? There's a agorist.market, agorist.market is a great tool. It's a global tool that people can list their businesses and services. And the idea is like, before you call the plumber, go see if there's a plumber in your area on agorist.market, right? It's not so big at the point where there's gonna be a plumber in just about every major city, but we can get it to that point, but it's a, something that you could model. So uh, my ex-wife okay, and I used to do uh, the black and yellow pages instead of the yellow pages, right? Black and yellow, it's like a voluntarist colors. So you can put together a directory you could start hosting meetups, regular meetings. Are you guys even allowed to have meetings in person or would that get shut down? Two, 200 year old fine. <laughs> wow. You know, well, you know sometimes you're allowed you to meet one person. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta do it. So you can do virtual, yeah. obviously you can do Zoom stuff, right? But you know, you get hundreds and hundreds of people together and it's kind of hard to find everyone. And this is happening all over the world. We're seeing we are seeing open defiance of these orders and it's a very beautiful thing. And it kind of shows that the emperor wears no clothes. So it's just going to take like a handful of leaders to lead by example, to do the cat herding, to bring all the people together. And when people are hurting and they're not able to provide for their family, like that's a very painful thing. And oftentimes people act either to try to move towards something or to move away from something. Right. And they can both have their different levels of, of motivation but moving away from not being able to provide for your kids or not or, or seeing your savings and your future deteriorate is an extremely big motivator so you just got it like you know the field of there's this movie by kevin caught with kevin costner called field of dreams and in the movie there's these ghosts that are like coming out of the cornfield that used to play baseball on this baseball field and james earl jones is like if you build it they will come saying like build the dugout and build the stands for the baseball, right? So, you know, if you start building this network, people will come. And so one thing to do is like put together a platform that doesn't take your micromanaging. It's just a platform, a forum, for example, where anyone can come list their business idea, their services. And it's just like two parts, things that I have to offer and things that I want. And then people go and they find a match and then just kind of agitate for it, push it, encourage it, encourage it to happen. And it'll start to happen, you know, and, but people got to be bold, like an in-person meetup would be the first empowering step to do that. You know, to like put it as a Facebook event. So it's instantly caught out or found out. But I'm sorry that your community is struggling like that. It's a really unfortunate thing. But, you know, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And these are crazy times we're living in. Living in. So thanks for that. You know, an interesting thing about that ties into cryptocurrency. There's this gym owner in Staten Island, I think who is totally defying the lockdowns and just keeping his gym open. And he's gotten shut down. He's gotten fined. He did this big fundraiser and that money got seized because they shut his bank account and like the mayor backdoored into the bank account somehow. And so now he's using Bitcoin cash to, to raise money, which is cool. He's using cryptocurrency. So at the end of the day, like we're in very pressing times and it's really scary stuff, but there's always a way for freedom to poke through just like, the weeds that get covered up by a cement seawalk. They always find a way. Life always finds a way to get out there. We just got to stay positive and focused on that and keep moving the ball down the field. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your input there, Don. Thank you. All right. All right. Who else has something that they want to add decentralization or about blockchain tech? Michael, how you doing? You're in Uruguay. Cool. I love hey, John. <laughs> Happy you? to be here, happy to be connected. Um, 
Well, I'm quite a newbie to all that uh, cryptocurrency and to a lot of other stuff because I have been out of society for, for many years now and uh, just getting back a couple of months ago. And I joined the Freedom Cell Network. I opened immediately the Uruguay Freedom Cell and um, trying now my best to get things rolling here and also to make up uh, for um, yeah years being out of the society so i'm i'm studying as much as i can also about cryptocurrency for me personally i wanted to mention that i heard uh, you saying and derek saying that um that cryptocurrency is simply a very powerful tool you also mentioned it just uh, before that can be used either for the good or for the bad of uh, of humanity, so to say. And I see it exactly like this. And um, I don't understand then also all this uh, many discussions about it because I, I just see it. It is something very powerful, very valuable, and it depends on the user uh, whether it's it serves um, the direction more freedom or direction more uh, uh, global control. Um, you you invited us to say something about uh, how we can accelerate this uh, um, decentralized uh, um, revolution. And uh, I wanted to say now, out of my experience, it would be great because there are so many different initiatives happening. That's like it's an information overload for somebody like me and i guess i'm not alone in this that um that uh, there is like some initiatives hopefully now emerging where we can more focus our energy on so some new platforms or uh, d3 uh, apps um, however you you call that but that at least it's not like now choosing out of hundreds of different options I, I many times I'm just overloaded with the information I encounter. And uh, yeah, it was uh, for me now also a surprise that you mentioned the Edge wallet because out of all the wallets available there, I tried out a few, I stay with the Edge wallet. Works very well for me. I have very little funds, but what I have and don't need for the next four weeks, I all put in cryptocurrency right now. And uh, so far works out very well. I wanted to shortly also say something um, to Don uh, that he was asking um, possibilities to uh, earn money for people who hardly have any. I'm also right now looking into a project that is called uh, Seeds Network, Seeds, all capital letters. And uh, it looks for me up to now, I have to, go much deeper into it, but up to now looks like a very promising and interesting initiative and they are just now starting to get rolling. So there's a lots of possibilities for people to join there and uh, also get rewarded for their efforts. I'm, I'm myself in, in that right now. Cool, right on. Well, thanks for sharing, that's a great tip. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree that it's definitely an overload of information and there's it's hap everything's just changing so fast in the cryptocurrency world, especially. Uh, I just shared a link to a sovereign tech freedom cell network telegram group in the chat if people want to join that. Um, and I would say, like, try to try to, like, compartmentalize things like what you're interested in. If someone's like does podcasts and videos and then maybe lean in on library blockchain, if someone 
is interested in trading, they could find a decentralized exchange. And then there's like over 6,600 different cryptocurrencies. So pick one, two or three projects that you really want to focus on, talk about, share with people, invest in. Some people, I think, spread themselves too thin. And unless you're like really making it a big part of your life to keep on top of these projects, it's good to just narrow down a few I know Bitcoin Cash is like really controversial, but I'm a big fan of Bitcoin Cash. I like Bitcoin, obviously, but Bitcoin Cash doesn't have the transaction fees that come with Bitcoin. And it's very easy to use. And there's a big community and a lot of people accepting it. I think it's a good project. It does have that coin join technology. I think it's called Bitcoin Private. Actually, I don't know what it's called. The actual tech. We'll learn about that on Saturday, I guess, from JK but or JF. But um yeah, I would say just pick a project, try to narrow it down. And then, yeah, you know, back to Don's conundrum and, and his friends there. If you have access to the Internet, there's opportunities online. Um, my kids do this. It's called OutSchool, OutSchool.com. And occasionally we'll do like a virtual class. They were doing the survival and preparedness one. And the teachers, I think, get paid pretty well, especially if it's a popular class with good reviews. But not only that, you know, if someone can learn to do some kind of tech stuff. You can do freelance on Fiverr or whatever. So sometimes you just kind of got to adapt to the circumstances. But if someone's a tradesman or a plumber or an electrician, then you really got to do the nitty gritty work to build that, that agora and that counter economy. All right, thank you, uh, Michael, for your comment. All right, let's go to the other Michael there. Michael Ovesen, how are you? You should be able to unmute yourself. I'm there good. You go. uh, I'm wanting to you point out. Okay. So you guys can hear me fine now? Uh-huh. So uh, one of the things I'm finding that most people aren't up to speed on is how right now, the in the last few months, there have been new capabilities added to the Lightning wallets built on top of Bitcoin that have been promised. Uh-oh, he froze. NSA shut him down. Just for years with this lightning wall uh, capability. And it really. We can hear you now. Okay. So uh -oh. applications that allow us to buy our lightning activated Bitcoin directly from a bank account. There's another couple of apps that are letting us stream these lightning satoshis directly to one another in micro payments for next to well nothing in real time settled like five cents a minute um they're promoting it to podcasts they have their own podcast index built into these apps that like podcast or listening they can earn satoshis that are private because they're on the the lightning network so the node only records it it's not subject to any of the chain analysis these first wave of these applications have just been hitting the marketplace in the last few months in the next six to nine months the bitcoin code itself is being upgraded so that all of these lightning transactions are going to be totally private there's no way that anybody's going to be able to perform any chain analysis of any of our Bitcoin transactions. All right, Michael. When they're done, 
in the Lightning Network. When we earn Bitcoin transaction fees to turn it into Lightning Network. Part of what we're maybe dealing with is that I'm eight miles from the nearest pavement and I'm my internet is a mesh network of Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi to reach 16 miles into town out here. Wow. So that, that may be impacting some of the video. If I take the video off, well, I may do a little better with the audio. So. Okay. Cool. Well, I think he froze there again. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely something uh, that... that... Maybe we'll have less of an issue with the data right there. Okay, so what wallet would you encourage people now specifically? So um, the two that are letting people stream the um, Lightning Satoshis are the Breeze wallet and the Sphinx wallet. The, the wallet, uh, uh, Breeze wallet also has an integration for buying it from your bank account. But anytime you're buying from a bank account, you're going to be dealing with KYC. You can't do that anonymously. Uh, what does happen, And those once you you buy your lightning and it turn it, even when you turn it back on to bitcoin the chain analysis is far from certain they cannot really prove beyond shadow of a doubt that those are your coins when it's all been transacted off chain and then it's five or six transactions later from your initial purchase so there there's a half dozen ways almost to break the chain analysis uh not just through the coin joins but also through using the decimple ways to make our bitcoin more private when we go back on chain but part of what i like about the lightning is that we can have a private channel that's shared with our private network our cadre and our extended freedom cell that only records all of our transactions on my samurai dojo on my raspberry pi device that's encrypted through the tor network and held on my All right, Michael. We're gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to move on. But device only. If you want to share with us in the uh, comments there, or maybe do a video or something, I think it's definitely worth learning the developments, especially if there's the opportunity for the Lightning Network to provide more privacy uh, instead of the totally transparent blockchain. And then, from what I understand, you have to trust the nodes that you link up with. But if you can create the nodes amongst your inner cadre or your middle cadre, then that seems, and the idea is to trust these people, ideally, that seems like a great way to overcome that. So, all right, thanks, Michael. Sorry about the internet connection. It's cool to hear that you had a, uh, that you have a mesh network that links you guys up. So thanks again for that. All right, let's go to you, Brino. Do you have any thoughts on the first decentralized evolution, what we can do to accelerate it? Or do you have any comments about Freedom Cell Network? Yeah, I do. And before I mention that, yeah, I was very interested in what Michael just had to say. And I hope that maybe he does put something in the comment to find out more about that. I haven't heard of that. You know, um, I'm coming to you from here in Northern California. Uh, I have the NorCal Can uh, uh, Freedom Cell. Put that in the chat. Uh, we've been having a really good, successful time up here. I um, have been, gotten involved in the, am I, am I coming in clear? Uh, it's kind of choppy. There's uh, some static, but it works. I'll do what he did. I'll turn off my video. Um, 
No, that's even worse. All right, we gotta we gotta move to the next person. So Michael, if you'll or Brino, if you would just share just share in the chat and we'll be sure to, to grab what you got going on. All right, thanks, pal. Okay, we got Jordan coming up to the stage. Jordan. Hey man. Hey there. Okay, so I have a couple things to add. Um, I don't know if they're questions or statements. One about in crypto. I've been in crypto now for over a year. Day trading, swing trading, providing liquidity on Uniswap, yield farming, the whole thing. Um, but my the biggest problem that I have with crypto, and actually what Michael Austin was saying could tie into this and the whole decentralization, but it's it's taxes that every single time now that I obviously trade or even send anyone any crypto, um, it I have to put that into my tax calculator because if I don't, my tax implication is higher than if I do. And then, you know, you hear about the IRS using these uh, programs like Chainalysis out of, out of Switzerland that sort of like, it will just, you know, they just plug it in and just through the transparent blockchain, it can show every single transaction and automatically using, you know, just pure technology, find out who's been, you know, not fully paying all their taxes. So I don't know what the solution is to that because like even using Uniswap or any decentralized exchange, like I still have to put it into my tax calculator. So, and it's like screwing me over. Um, so, but I guess like the, the whole uh, Bitcoin lightning network thing sounds really interesting. So that's one statement. Uh, the second statement was towards the first lady, Brittany. I think she was talking about decentralized the decentralized internet. Um, there are different protocols being developed now that are based on uh, mesh networks and edge nodes, um, NKN, unstoppable domains, which is utilizing Ethereum network and Zilliqa, um, deeper network. So there's all these different projects that are trying to make sure our data essentially isn't going through AWS or, you know, if you have a .com or .org, I mean, that's hosted by someone somewhere some company who can shut you down, just like how they shut down, um, what's the one from Trump? Parler. So that's the second statement. The third thing I wanted to say was, and not to do with crypto, more to do with the freedom cells. My fiance, Lolly, and I, um, it's funny, we are, we are remote. Um, I have my own business, we're in crypto. We actually can go anywhere. And we want, like, I think the most valuable thing is actual physical community. And so it would be awesome if on the Freedom Spells Network, there was like people posting, hey, we have a community, there's land for sale, or you can buy it, come live. That's, that's actually what we're after. Because right now we're just hanging out in our, in our hometown in South Georgia, like in this town, in the house. And like, we feel isolated. If that could be integrated, that would be amazing. And yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. Cool. It... Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, my thoughts on the taxes are, oh, this is such a struggle and attention. And um, 
I just want to correct one thing that you said. You don't have to put it all into that program. You choose to, I'm just talking about mindset here, right? And total sympathy. I file 1040s. I run a business. But I, but I choose to file the 1040. I know that there's coercion hanging over my head. But I think one thing that we need to shift into, and, and again, become more empowered, the more of us that there are and the closer in proximity we are, right? And the more dark we can become, dark as in encrypted and not in the light of government and trackable, traceable. But it's like, there's so many damn, uh, there's so many people and the IRS is so freaking overwhelmed. And they just can't go after everybody. I had this huge eureka after the Capitol got stormed by all the Make America Great folks. And like, you know, around that time and always before that, since the Freedom Cell Network's really grown a whole lot. And then especially after that, everyone's like, oh, domestic terrorism and fear. And I don't want to do that list, this and that. And it's like, man, the FBI has their damn hands full. There was just a bunch of people that literally broke into the U.S. Capitol building. There's like hardcore militia groups that have paramilitary training dancing around in the woods with a bunch of guns and stuff. And meanwhile, we're like, let's pull our kids out of public school and go plant a garden and listen to some cool music and then make some dinner and drink a beer together. You know, like I think there's a lot of fear that we have. And we, while we shouldn't be naive and put ourselves at risk, we should also recognize that in many ways, the emperor wears no clothes. And a lot of the control and compliance and tyranny is, is like an internal construct based on an over magnification of the strength and reach of the government. Just wanna throw that out there. One great rule of thumb when it comes to cryptocurrency and taxes is like if the crypto didn't directly come from an address that was know your that had KYC, you scan a driver's license and such, then it's really going to be hard for them to track and trace. And another thing to know, like this chain analysis company, like that shit's probably pretty expensive to do, you know, and the IRS has to pay money and the IRS has a limited budget. And it's just like you just have to balance everyone has that own their own internal value and risk assessment that they need to take but you got to like balance out how much do i want to contribute to my own enslavement versus the risk that i could possibly get caught for this that and the other and then another thing to recognize if you do get caught more often than not it's a slap on the wrist it's hey hey wait a second you didn't do this correctly you should have done that and then you're like, oh, shit, I don't know. This is really overwhelming. You guys haven't been giving clear guidance. I'm doing my best. Okay, fine. Here's a little bit of extra money. It's not like we're going to put you in a cage for 30 years. So you just always have to weigh those things, right, and make your own conclusion. Just want to throw that out there. But like a lot of decentralized exchanges, that shit's hard to track and trace when it's going through the different pools and this, that, and the other. And these people, if you like buy, uh, buy $10,000 from Coinbase, and you scan your driver's license, and then that $10,000 goes up to $100,000, and then you sell the $100,000 back to Coinbase for US dollars, the IRS is gonna know about that pretty damn easily. But if it's like liquidity pool here, Uniswap this, buy some Monero, send it through this, use your coin join BCH or another coin mixer, 
pirate chain, you know, it's like, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're overwhelmed too. This is all such new technology. So it's just up to that internal check and balance. Another thing is like, do I, do y'all live scrappy? Like, you know, you you guys are mobile, you are remote, you can work here, you can work there. Do you own a bunch of assets? Do you own assets on the books, off the books? What's the risk that's involved? You got, everyone needs to make those assessments, right? And then again, big picture wise, the more of us that join the Freedom Cell Network, the more of us that cooperate together, the more that we get linked up, the more that we build these communities together, the easier it is for us to opt out and to protect one another if the man comes and knocking. Uh, there is a Freedom Cell Telegram chat about intentional communities. And you know the bottom up way of that this works is if somebody you know wanted to create a Freedom Cell on the website or a Telegram group, and it's like a clearing house, my lovely girlfriend, again, had this great idea for this app that's like a, it's like a dating app, but it links people up that own property and that want to live on a property or links people up that have a little bit of money and they want to go in with other people. It's really challenging, though, you know, and a lot of people want to do it. But how do we get from here to there? And it's really important to vet people and to know them and to have at least gone through some experiences with them, which is another great function of the Freedom Cell Network, like get together with people go do something, do a project to build a greenhouse before you invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a intentional community, you know, start small. But if, any, if it, there's, there's already intentional community groups on Telegram and on the Freedom Cell website, so that might be a start. And then someone could create a single purpose Freedom Cell group. It's not about intentional communities, big picture. It's like, we're all people that want to create an intentional community in the Pacific Northwest. Let's all hang out and talk. And it's not, it doesn't have to be, because we have a Central Texas Land Co-op Telegram group that has like 50 people. It's not the case that I'm going to build a community with all 50 people, but all 50 people want to build a community and we can all learn from one another. And maybe after we go to meetups, we've already had a couple, maybe we find that like, oh, these three families are pretty cool because we've been hanging out and they have similar ideas. These guys are kind of a little far-fetched with some of their stuff. That guy was a total jerk. I don't want to do a community with him. So that's what I would recommend, you know, baby steps. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys, for being on the call. And thanks for your your input. And, uh, make, you know, it's all about that risk assessment. Maybe tip it a little bit more towards freedom. You never know. Thanks, guys. But I'm with you on the struggle. The struggle's real. All right. Uh, Key or Kay, how are you today? Hi. Hi. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh -huh. I want to know more about mining and um cryptocurrencies how cryptocurrencies value goes up and all that because i was reading this excerpt from this lady i don't know whether you can see oh vandana shiva okay uh-huh yeah vandana shiva and she says that um, on march 26 2020 at the peak of the lockdown microsoft was granted a patent by the world intellectual property organization that wo 2020 thing that declares that um, human body activity associated with the task provided to a user may be used in the mining process of a cryptocurrency system. So, like, it sounds pretty um, unethical to me, the whole thing. Sure. I, I don't get it. Okay. Let me try to break that down for you. Um, okay, so there's multiple different cryptocurrencies. The very first one was Bitcoin. 
It was created by this guy or girl or group of people named Satoshi Nakamoto. And the technology under Bitcoin is called the blockchain. The blockchain is a chain of blocks. The block is just one megabyte worth of digital data. The cool thing about the blockchain is all this information is stored on different people's servers and computers in a decentralized distributed way. So you don't have to trust one entity to maintain this ledger. It's a ledger, it's a public ledger. So we don't have to trust the Federal Reserve Bank to maintain the US dollar ledger because obviously we can't trust them. They're just pumping it out. They tried to audit it with Ron Paul and Rand Paul and found some stuff exposed. They didn't really under, they weren't able to even see much of anything. But with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, you have a decentralized public ledger that keeps track of who sent what, where, when, right? Keeps track of the address that sent who, what, where, when. Address is like an account number. If your identity is tied to the address, then we know what you sent to what other address, right? But there's ways to obscure that. But this blockchain, it's simply one megabyte worth of information about who sent this, that, and the other. And every 10 minutes, a new block is added to the blockchain, right? So that's how a blockchain works, essentially. It's information about a transaction added to a block, and it's a chain of blocks. There's computers that perform a function called mining. These are fast supercomputers. And these supercomputers, their role is to verify the transactions that are taking place in the past 10 minutes. So if I send some Bitcoin to Jordan, that goes into the network and then a mining computer will take that transaction and it'll verify that I legitimately had that Bitcoin to send and that it was a legit transaction. And to do that, it checks the previous chain. Okay, did I receive it legitimately and did it receive, was it received legitimately all the way down the line? In exchange for running these computers, the miners are rewarded with Bitcoin and that's how new Bitcoin is created. Okay, so what I've just described is mining Bitcoin, which is different than what Bill Gates's patent describes. There's different ways to mine different things, different um, cryptocurrencies, right? In fact, there's even supercomputers that mine it. You can mine on your laptop. My brother was testing out this project that rewards you with this token for geospatial information, like going on a walk, walking in front of a restaurant or a store. I was kind of like, I don't know about the surveillance of that. It was encrypted, but it's just collecting data. It's a data aggregation. And essentially that was like mining for these little tokens, that human activity that took place. So what Bill Gates patented, it wasn't Bitcoin mining or mining for Ethereum or different mining isn't the same as what Bill Gates patented. So I don't know the language that Vandana Shiva used in her article, but because there's a general misunderstanding of cryptocurrency and blockchain and mining, a lot of folks that are opponents of cryptocurrency and blockchain, like Alison McDowell, for example, they like they make these uh, logical leaps that don't exist and they tie things together and it's not all the same. It's not one single entity blockchain. It's like 6,600 different blockchains. There's decentralized blockchains that no one owns, yet everyone owns if they participate in it. There's no central control. There's no corporation or company. There are blockchains like Ripple, for example, XRP, that a company owns and controls. Then there's companies like the folks behind Library. They created a blockchain that they don't control, but they have this entity that helps it along and that can earn money from it, so on and so forth. So it's a weird, wild world. 
But the point is, just because Bill Gates is scheming and conniving, as he always is, that creepy guy. Oh, so uh, we, uh, you know, we came up with this idea for uh, essentially you'll track and trace your activity and you'll be able to earn money doing so. Blah, blah. That's my, he always does like this. I realize that because I, I do that in my talks, in my YouTube videos and stuff. And somebody was like, this guy's like Bill Gates. Look at his hands. But uh, anyway, just to, to answer your question, that it doesn't mean Bitcoin mining. That means Bill Gates is toying with the idea of leveraging human activity in order to generate a cryptocurrency or store information or something like that. So that's another example of how the fourth industrial revolutionaries and the technocrats are leveraging blockchain technology in order to usher in this total global surveillance thing. And as Alison McDowell would point out, that's an example of human capital where these wealthy philanthropists, tax exempt foundations, big industry heads and technocrats, they want to create this new environment where human beings and human activity and human production is like a commodity to be traded and to be profited from by the power players. It's a very scary future. It's not a future, actually. It's a present. Much of this is already implemented. And so, again, like Alison McDowell, she reads that and understands that. And then me and Derek are like, let's create decentralized networks where we can share money privately and upload YouTube videos that normally would get censored on YouTube and my conscious resistance network channel got deleted. So I can't share this great information, but I can on a decentralized blockchain like library. And she's like, these are the two, these two are the same things. They're not the same thing. Blockchain can be very liberating and there's like a disempowering element to it. I do a lot of success stuff and like Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone and the seven habits of highly effective people. So I always like apply it to activism and for someone to be like, oh, blockchain, it's really scary. And the elites have control over it. And it's a tool for enslavement. Therefore, blockchain bad and stay away from it. That is like coming from a position of weakness and disempowerment. Conversely, we can say, wow, I understand that decentralized blockchain technology has a lot of opportunity for people to take control of their money, of their communication, of their social organization. And because I am a powerful person, I'm going to participate in the growth of this entity and of this institution so I can use it to create a better world with more freedom, more prosperity, more privacy. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. Does that make sense? This dichotomy of thinking, right? Just like when I'm talking about the Freedom Cell Network to a lot of people, the first thing that comes into their head is, ooh, the FBI is going to come and get me because I participate in this network. Or there's going to be infiltrators that are going to trick me into doing things. When people say that, when the first time they hear someone talk about the Freedom Cell Network, to me, that signals, that signals to me that that is their worldview, and that that's what they go around the world looking at. That guy's going to come and get me. Oh, that I can't trust this person. I can't build a relationship with this person because he could hurt me somehow. But if you look at it differently, and again, you're not naive to the fact that that does happen and there is risk in the world. But if your focus is 
the beauty and abundance and potential and possibility that comes with a group of people, over 20,000 people, 100,000 someday, working together to do cool things, and that's your focus, then that's what you'll see in the Freedom Cell Network, and that's what you'll get from the Freedom Cell Network. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Cool. That was all very right. good. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment, and I'm glad that we could bring some clarity to all that stuff. All right. Okay, we'll go ahead and go till four. So let's hear from a few more people. Valeria, how do you say your name? It looks like a cool name. Valerica. Valerica, I like it. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Good. How are you? I'm good. I really enjoy what you are doing. Going back to the internet, I think the well, first of all, I'm from Romania and I was there for 32 years under the communists. So no, no more communists <laughs> or socialists. Even yeah, even if it's a free cell. Um, so I think the easiest thing to do for them to control us would be not to turn off the internet, but to turn off the electricity. So, uh, is there any device, reliable device for a Wi-Fi connection that you know of that can be uh, solar power or USB charged? Uh, well, you know, if you have solar power and nice battery backup banks, battery bank backups, then you can power anything that would take AC power just the same. Uh, this isn't my area of expertise. I know there's a sovereign tech group. I shared it earlier. They may be into some cool stuff like this. But remember, like, I just want to point out again, there's if we if we think about human action and disincentives and incentives, those in power. So there's like a tiny, tiny sinister elite, like think of David Rockefeller, for example. Uh, and then people that we don't even know about. They're so high on the pyramid of the Illuminati or New World Order, we never even heard of them. We've heard of the Rothschild family and the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and all this stuff, right? But so there is that small group of people that wants to harm a lot of people and eliminate a significant portion of the population. That's a thing. But there's also other world leaders and other industry moguls and oligarchs whom would be harmed if the, if the power went out in their area, like think of in Texas, think of industry tycoons and big oil men that have bought and paid for the, the, the state legislature. And now it's like, we got this plan, we're gonna shut off the power. These powerful people are gonna be like, whoa, wait a second, you're not gonna shut off the power because then I'm gonna lose money, I'm gonna lose face. Uh, this, I'm gonna lose my stock investment and this, that or the other, right? So. Yes, there is people that want to control us, but yes, too, there's like natural disincentives that we got to look at. And I don't think that a lot of people are going to want to shut the power off of folks because it's going to piss off the guy that paid for their election or whatever. And again, there's like, I don't know. I just think oftentimes I used to have this with Alex Jones. I used to listen to Alex Jones every single day back in college. And I thought I was like so smart and better than everyone because I was awake, quote unquote, when in reality, I was like in fear of the new world order around every corner. And I would see all there's like symbols everywhere when and there's like maybe it's not a symbol like the, there's this frost bank tower in downtown Austin. And it looks like an owl when you look at it on the side. And there's even like a beak. And everyone's like the owl, it's Moloch, the Canaanite deity that they worship at Bohemian, the Bohemian Grove. 
And then you're like, wait a second, the architecture went to Rice University and their mascot is the owl. So maybe it has more to do with that than some New World Order Illuminati plan. But maybe even further, maybe Rice University has an owl because they're into this weird pagan stuff too. I don't know. But my point is, I try not to think too much about, I, I try not to give so much power to the enemies of, of freedom. And I try to think about the empowerment that I have. But to answer your question, that is a possibility, but I don't know what technology to point to. I just think it's great to get off grid, you know, to be able to be resilient and have different networks to be tapped into the grid to use it, but then to be able to tap out of the grid and have off grid this, that, or the other mesh networks. Uh, do you have people in your area that, that are like-minded that you could build a mesh network with? Um, I didn't look yet. Uh, I just found somebody during this, uh, this Zoom that's uh, right. really nice. Uh, but um, it's not about being, uh, you know, overwhelmed by what's going on, but just being prepared. And yes. I, I did hear that they announced some uh, uh, electrical outages uh, in uh, Europe, and it could be a tactic for a while. You know, in Romania, they used to take electricity and hot water <laughs> every day. Actually, hot water was only twice a week, but the electricity every day for three or four hours in the evening when people needed the most. Uh, so it was a, a way of controlling people. So I, I just think if we are prepared, uh, that's the best we can do without being, um, you know, going down the rabbit hole and being afraid or anything like that. You're right. You're right. And I wasn't trying to, to project that onto you or to convey that that's where you're coming from. And maybe sometimes I need to focus more on the possibility of, of dark, evil things taking place. And uh, one of the things that I recognized after the Texas power outages was like, wow, this like we really can't depend on the big institutions. We just can't depend on them, whether they're just inept and terrible and they're too they're so big that they do fail. And there's like bureaucracy upon bureaucracy or they're trying to control and manipulate, we just need to opt out of all of them and not depend on them. And one thing did come to mind uh, based on some of the comments, like with, with the sustainability stuff, they could use power, like there's a certain sector or a whole country and they're like, no, 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 you guys are putting off too much carbon from your, you shouldn't have a coal fire power plant and you shouldn't have, kept your lights on for so long so we're gonna have to turn your power off because you've already reached your monthly allotment of kilowatt hours or something like that that's definitely something that could happen um in fact there's been folks in europe especially europe is just kind of advanced with all this stuff the european union a lot of it not to say that we're like an anarchist society over here in the united states but i saw some people like members of parliament or whatever they're like you know, this lockdown tool could be used in order to limit carbon emissions. And we all know that the whole carbon paradigm and carbon tax and cap and trade is all part of this great reset and part of this Agenda 21 control thing. So definitely something to consider for sure. But um, I bet there's off-grid groups on the Freedom Cells website that focus on homesteading and off-grid type of stuff. Um, and if there's not, that would definitely be a good one to start to share that share those ideas and what's the best way to do it and generators and diesel generators and this, that, and the other. One thing that I've learned, it's always good to have systems upon systems. Like my ex-wife, they live on a big 150 acre intentional community just east of us and they have well water 
right? And a lot of the water got shut off and failed here in central Texas. And they're like, well, this is great. We have a well, so we should be fine. But the electric pump for the well shut off because the power was shutting off and rolling stuff. So it's always important, you know, a little solar panel there on the pump would have would have really saved the day. So it's good to have systems upon systems upon systems anticipating failures and weakness here, there, and the other. That's right. Thank you yeah. very much, John. Okay, thank you for your input. All right, we're gonna go to one more and then we're gonna go over out to our festival here. I wanna thank everyone for participating. AX Win, did you wanna share something? Yeah, hey John, thank you. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. All right, great. So I just wanted to really make a comment and ask your opinion on something. It feels to me like we're sort of in a race between Konkin's four levels of reaching agri society versus the, the Schwab view of the fourth industrial revolution, really. And one of the things I really see as um, a counter is the, the sort of like everyone says, well, with this decentralized technology and blockchain, all that's unstoppable and the internet's unstoppable and this type of thing. But what I see is that they're, they're trying to, the powers that be are trying to get the perception that yes, there's, there's these blockchains, but some of them are evil, like you know, the ones that are private, <laughs> all the ones we're interested in. And some of them are, are really good, you know, like say a Ripple or something like that, um, that's centralized. You touched upon it earlier in control. Um, and I think they, they'll be quite successful in the future, maybe trying to convince the sheeple out there that, oh yeah, you should use a blockchain, but only if it's controlled because you can't trust what these criminals are doing on the outskirts, right? And they're also doing that with media, of course, like, you know, shutting down things like Parler or, you know, like going after SEC, going after libraries. So in essence, I think they'll be looking to, even though they can't stop blockchain, criminalize decentralized blockchain. So I just want to get your opinion on that if you think that's a valid concern and how we could maybe fight against that other than just using these technologies. Uh, well, you know, I think the cool thing about decentralized blockchain is that it's it is really difficult to stop and to shut down. Uh, and I'm gonna mute you because I can hear myself back. Just like they shut down Twitter or they tried to shut down the internet in some of these color revolutions, the people found a way with the mesh network. And so we've entered a paradigm where the controls and the bands and the blocks are becoming more and more prominent yet there's more and more people that are openly defying them. And so early on with crypto, I was a little more naive, like it's gonna end the central banks and stuff. Now we have central bank digital currencies. They just leverage the technology themselves, which is pretty sinister of them. Um, but at the same time with cryptocurrency, we still, it, it gives people a choice. So like, let's say you amass a bunch of wealth and then you put it into cryptocurrency, you encrypt it, then you go into cold storage, you delete the wallet from your computer and you have an encryption password or you manage to memorize your recovery phrase. When you create a wallet, it pops out this recovery phrase of 12 to 24 words. If you memorize that recovery phrase or if you write it down on a piece of paper and you hide that and then the government's like, hey, we know that you just had $100,000 and you put it into cryptocurrency. You need to give it to us right now. You have the choice to say, you know what? No. Whereas if you had 100,000 in an offshore bank account or 100,000 in gold hidden in a safe in your, in your house, then you have a physical struggle or they just backdoor into the bank account or take it from your American bank account, right? So I try to remain optimistic and understand that it's possible that stuff does get outlawed, 
but we are agorists and we are rebels and we just like are going to have to reach a critical mass where it makes it easier just to say no and to disobey and to do it anyway right and the cool thing is that there's enough of us it's really hard to manage and we're like scattered you know like i want to see a i want to see a like thousands of intentional communities, not let's all move to this county in Montana and take over the county because then we're all in one place, like a compound, like like the Branch Davidians or something. But if there's like 100 million people spread out all across the world or 1 million across the United States or wherever across Europe, and it's like, wow, they're all decentralized themselves. This is hard to manage. We just have a bunch of people in open defiance. And then we're like infecting the general public with our ideas because we're so happy and free and doing cool stuff and like prosperous because we're not following their bullshit, then maybe we'll, you know, grow our ranks and more people will participate. So I think an important thing now is to recruit as many people as we can. And for the people that are already in the know, quote unquote, to get as prepared as we can and to leverage these technologies and to get off the grid and to start building towards an intentional community and to link up with the intentional community down the road and like just go 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 and always like it feels overwhelming like i've been in this game for 20 years now and i've had different levels of overwhelm and understanding and breaking down the matrix right but i'm still here and it's still you know the freedom path and the agorist thing you're talking about is still happening and the tyranny and technocracy is still happening and it's probably going to be happening for the next forever my kids are going to experience it hopefully they inherit the fight and take they don't have social security numbers so they have a leg up on on me which is pretty cool so hopefully they never have to enter that banking paradigm i even would say like my dad's like john what do you mean not have a social security number what are they going to do for checking accounts and it is a pain in the ass because i can't use them for deductions i can't do the child tax credit but I'm not going to sell them out to save a few thousand bucks here or there. Um, but I, I would say this is before I learned about cryptocurrency. I was like, you know what? When my kids are old enough to need to do commerce and have a bank account, there's going to be something that we've created so they can do trade and they can do business without having to open a checking account. And then literally like a year or two later, I was like, holy shit, Bitcoin. Wow, it's already there. In fact, it's been around since before my kids were born. This is cool. So yeah, let's just always remain optimistic, but not naive and just keep doing our thing. And then the cool thing is like the work that we do, it can be fun and enjoyable part of life. It doesn't have to be like the conspiracy theorist that's all inward and afraid. It can be like light and love and beauty and let's all go hang out together at the pub or let's go take our shoes off and garden together and then have dinner afterwards and celebrate and somebody brings a guitar and we're like jamming along like this can be our life our life can be joyous and the joyous things that we do can be the activism at the same time because we're just living free and doing cool stuff so yeah i want to thank everyone for tuning in apologies again for the confusion at the beginning of uh the other call didn't start off but sounds like you guys are the diehards that found a way to make it anyway i recorded this so we will definitely share this video so help me if there's folks in your freedom cell or folks that you're familiar with that didn't catch the the call they'll be able to watch this i think we've shared a lot of good information and then again i want to invite everyone out to the d3 tech summit decentralized distributed and disruptive tech summit we're going to go deep it's 12 to 5 this upcoming Saturday, the 24th and the 25th. We're going to talk about the first 
decentralized evolution as a counter to the fourth industrial revolution. There's going to be a lot of big ideas. There's going to be a lot of coalition building and cooperation. There's also going to be some hands-on things to, that you can take forward and apply in your lives. Uh, just another plug, if people want to learn about cryptocurrency and go deep on that, if they're curious about it, if they feel overwhelmed by all information, I'm hosting a workshop, cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com. Got a couple other Freedom Cell folks that are going to be co-hosting that along with me. We're going to talk about internet privacy as well. It's a bonus part, internet privacy. You'll be able to learn about encryption and private messaging and all that good stuff. And then don't forget the big event, the Greater Reset 2, five days, huge headlining speakers. Super cool. That's taking place May 24th through the 28th. All righty. Thank you so much, everyone, for participating. Thanks for being a part of the Freedom Cell Network. Let's keep it up. Let's share all this with everyone. Let's grow. Let's buzz. Let's be little gadflies. Let's opt out, do our thing. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace.